Garcia Puente had a childhood much like the rest we cover. Alcoholic parents, poverty, and left to fend for herself at a young age. Today, we'll cover Dorothea's upbringing, her foray into sex working, her knack for lying, and her establishment of brothels. And finally, we'll take a look at the scams, fraud, and possible murders she committed leading to ongoing run-ins with the law. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you're a fan of the old saying, never judge a book by its cover, stick around. Because this seemingly sweet old woman is anything but. This is Necronomapod. We were just talking about this before we hit record, but uh, Dorothea really looks like a cartoon character to me. <laughs> like she is, she is something else. Those giant glasses, man! Like just this little bird face. Alas, just a sweet old Mexican woman, right? Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly, that's <laughs> what I. Uh, that's why I picture Mrs. Hildebrandt from the bank looking like when she's at when she oh, okay. retires from the bank and she's old she looks more like a miss hildebrandt than she does a mexican lady <laughs> can confirm she's like mike i'm retired but i still need your account information to forge and cash some checks fraudulently i could see mrs hildebrandt living a life like uh Prente here. You think so? Having some brothel set <laughs> She's up. She's a bank executive vice president. She's just well, an aggressive cold caller. That's all. We don't know what her past is is like. Got to get you get your way to the top somehow. Mm. I think she killed like all the VPs below her, stepped on their corpses, and got to the heights of. Uh, I think we just found Dave's next lost story for our uh, ten dollar Patreon. The making of Mrs. Hildebrandt. <laughs> <laughs> the dark truth behind Mrs. Hildebrandt. <laughs> there you go what else it's still cold here it's a sleepy wednesday kind of dude it is horrible i'm sick of the wind that's what pisses me off i don't mind the cold as much but that wind has been brutal the, mm. like all winter we haven't had much snow we just no, had not terrible much snow. wind i was in st pete over the weekend and frontier stranded me there sunday night and canceled my 10 p.m flight very helpful stranded or did you Thank a favor you. they're like hey stay down here one more day yeah, one more day but we got, I got back Monday night to a blizzard, mm-hmm. and it was just a whiteout blizzard driving home from the airport. It was not, not a pleasant. snow truck plow in sight the whole ride. Just you guys. Just us. White knuckling it. Some jokers driving, you know, spinning out, driving, you know, <laughs> perpendicular across the highway <laughs> up onto the grass. I'm like, what is going on here? God. Everyone forgets how to fucking drive, man. Yeah, if it's a blizzard, you know what? Slow down a little bit. Just a little bit. Take it easy. Maybe don't go 80. Maybe you're not a good driver to begin with, so dial it down a little bit. So this, um, we're back to an Ian original. This was supposed to be a one part. Well, you know what happens. Yeah. Two parts. We'll be back next week with the same one. Finishing this one up. Grandma's complicated, man. Yeah. time. Initially, I went into this one thinking, okay, we're just going to cover a little bit of a backstory and then what she did wrong and mm-hmm. this isn't 
a very in-depth one, but she really is a serial killer like every other one that we've covered. Yeah. So there's a lot to get into with her. This one was certainly a slow build because I forgot what this story was even about when we initially put it on our list. Mm-hmm. So I started reading it. I got almost all the way through the notes and I was like, oh, so she's just like a like a, a f- scam artist. She commits fraud. She's like, you know, modern day H.H. H. Holmes. And not a very good one, yeah. as we've seen <laughs> in numerous past subjects. And then, whoa, buddy, things pick up. It, it takes a turn. Yeah. That's the sweet spot when it takes a turn. <laughs> That's what we like to see around here. And we'll get into some of that this week and then uh, a good amount next week, too. So take it away. Dorothea Helen Gray was born on January 9th, 1929, to Jesse Gray and Trudy Gates in Redland, California. And she was the sixth of their seven kids. Like so many guys in World War I, Jesse Gray was the victim of mustard gas attacks, which completely wrecked his lungs. When Mike eats hot dogs in the studio, Ian and I are the victims of mustard <laughs> gas attacks. <laughs> it's not pleasant. I like to eat on the air. It's just ASMR for the people out there. <laughs> just deep throating gaggers over here. <laughs> gaggers. <laughs> Guys, uh, filming a new throat gaggers uh, <laughs> episode down there. Let's wait till we do uh, on Patreon at the end of the month. We're going to do our first live Zoom video show mm-hmm. until people see me take those down. <laughs> it's have a whole like it's going to be a plate of them next to me, like the uh, hot dog eating competition. So I'm not going to be rushing. I'm just going to be sitting here fucking enjoying them while Ian tells a story. I'll feel like I won't have to talk since people are watching us. So they just get the show of eating, watching me eat. It's not bad. That's what I'm going to do. Maybe we could put like a hot dog counter up and ding it every time you finish one. <laughs> ding! I need a hot dog counter, a beer counter, and a piss counter. There you go. Well, people can take bets on what will be the highest at the end of the night. <laughs> yeah, they're going to see in live uh, on my pee breaks. I'm just going to get up and go. It's going to be interesting. Are you going to try to limit them? Are you going to force your bladder to do uh, extra work in in overtime to avoid that? You know, in all fairness, well, see, when we were doing the liquor, I wasn't drinking as much. And I think I was really only stopping at like our ad breaks, Mm. maybe one time to pee. But I'm doing back to the beer a little bit. So maybe. Will you move to the liquor for the live show in order to prevent the pee breaks? No, I think people want to know. I think people want that experience. <laughs> they want the experience of okay. my pee breaks. Right. Maybe I just won't drink so much ahead of time mm. so that I can get through most of the show. Because it's it's I don't, I don't even know what the topic's going to be. But usually our bonus shows aren't super long. Yeah. Have you considered putting a bucket underneath your desk here? And so you people, you don't even have to get up once. I would have to stand because of like length issues. Oh, and, you know, yeah. That's a whole thing. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Plus, you know, people want to see me get up and walk away. I suppose. Maybe I'll wear gray sweatpants for the ladies. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> Give them a little dangle candy. So Jesse Gray was the victim of mustard gas attacks. And he relied on his body for income. All he knew how to do was farm. But his lungs made that almost impossible. Before World War I, he was helping run a farm, but after, all he could do was slowly pick cotton for a sharecropper, which made hardly any money. And most of the time, Jesse spent that money at the bar before he got home. Trudy was equally the alcoholic that Jesse was. She was 16 when they got married, and both of them had terrible tempers, which resulted in daily physical or verbal abuse. In 1934, Jesse and Trudy moved their family to Pomona, California, and at this point, the kids were left to fend for themselves. 
Jesse was either doing field work or at the bar drinking, and Trudy would go out on drinking binges that would last days. You ever gone on a day-long bend, three-day-long bender? No. Nah. It's not sleep, done that. Man. I don't know how you yeah, can do I, that. I couldn't do it. So Dorothea's oldest brother, James, who was 16, became the primary caretaker, but that didn't last long. By 1935, Dorothea's older siblings had run away from home, leaving Dorothea and her younger brother behind. With no one to watch Dorothea anymore, Trudy would lock Dorothea and her little brother in a closet while she would be out on these days long drinking binges. So not a great start for Dorothea. No, she was born straight into a terrible situation. Yeah, that's awful. And the book that I was reading about her said that the thought is that because a bunch of the kids took off, Dorothea and her little brother were the only ones around for Trudy to abuse. Like mm. they got the everything that all the other kids should have got. It all got focused on that. Tripled up on them. Yeah. That's delightful. How nice. Off to a good start. Yeah. In 1937, Jesse got drunk and fell asleep in a cotton field. It rained that night, and when he woke up in the morning, his lungs felt worse than usual. Jesse ended up catching tuberculosis and died not too long after. But because tuberculosis was so deadly and so contagious, the family had to quarantine. That quarantine was one of the most stable times in Dorothea's life. The church that they went to every Sunday rallied around them and people brought food daily. And it was the first time that Dorothea was actually cared for. People from the church bringing food and stuff only lasted so long. So in 1938, Trudy packed up Dorothea, her little brother, and maybe some of the other kids, it's not clear, and moved to Salinas, California. Jesse was their only source of income, so at this point, Trudy started working as a sex worker to make money. By 1939, when Dorothea was nine years old, Trudy died. Trudy was on the back of a motorcycle riding with one of her customers when they were rear-ended by a car. I bet as a sex worker, she was nervous about taking it in the rear. Just not like that. <laughs> this is not what you're expecting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're proud of that one, huh? <laughs> At that point, Dorothea and her remaining siblings were placed into an orphanage. And this kind of started this vicious cycle of her being bounced from orphanages to foster homes. Never anything stable and incidents of Dorothea being sexually assaulted by some of those foster parents. Do you imagine taking on foster kids just to sexually abuse them? Like, what a devious kind of thing. There is nothing of that sentence that I can identify no. with. Dorothea ends up doing this shit. Mm. She takes in people and kills them well, for the sole purpose learned to behavior. kill them. Yes, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's what her main motive was, just to take people in, use them, kill them, and be done. When that's what happens, uh, that's what happens to you when you're a 10-year-old. changes your brain's chemistry. and you know. So fast forward to 1945. Dorothea was 16 years old and trying to survive on her own. She ended up in Olympia, Washington, using the name Sherry, and now she was working as a sex worker. She had a job at a diner, but with World War II ending, there was a huge boom in sex work. Guys were coming home, and they hadn't seen a woman in years. And real quick, Dorothea figured out that she could triple her money that she was making at the diner. Sex work also gave Dorothea practice at what is going to become a lifelong issue of pathological lying. When she was with these men, she could be whoever she wanted to be. 
She wasn't Dorothea from this broken home that was abused all the time. She was Sherry that came from more. And she would come up with these really elaborate stories of a whole new life. And then it eventually is going to get to the point where those created memories started to replace the real mm. ones. With the sex trade booming, uh, Dorothea wanted to expand. So she and a friend of hers rented a motel room that was a revolving door of customers. Ugh. That motel was where Dorothea met 22-year-old Fred McFall. Fred was back from World War II with no real family, so he was also renting a room at the motel. Dorothea and Fred hit it off, and Fred was all in. In November of 1945, Dorothea and Fred went to Reno, Nevada and got married. Dorothea signed the marriage certificate as Sherry and said that she was 30 years old, but... Like we just said, she's 16. She's a 30-year-old Mexican woman. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Fred's like, hot damn. <laughs> the following year in 1946, Dorothea gave birth to a daughter, and the baby was immediately adopted by Fred's parents. Then the next year, Dorothea gave birth to another daughter who was immediately adopted out. Pretty much as soon as Dorothea got out of the hospital, she took off to L.A. without Fred. A month later... She came back, but this turned into a pattern where she would take off and then come back again a month or two later. Fred put up with this for most of 1947, but in the beginning of 1948, he filed for divorce. What was she doing during these times away? Was she out hoeing? Was she hoeing? <laughs> I think she was yeah, drinking. Mm. She was a big alcoholic. Okay. No, you don't say. Yeah. I wonder I where she, she was learned hoeing, that. too. <laughs> You got to make money, right? Yeah. Someone's got to provide for old Freddie. No free drinks out there, buddy. Unless you wear gray sweatpants on ladies night. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of free drinks. I like to buy that cute guy over there with the big penis and drink. <laughs> Get him a shot, locker. I didn't know if that was uh, a drunk person or uh, which one to call it. Uh, Edwin's mother? Oh, or Larry Flint. <laughs> kind of was, a universal. At, at first, I was like, why is Larry Flint buying me a drink in gray sweatpants? It could be Larry Flint. It could be a stroke victim. It could be a drunk mom. It could be a lot of things. The voice works. Yeah, anyways. I use it universally. I coast in and out of it uh, at will sometimes. <laughs> if you're talking about beavers, it's probably Larry Flint. Probably Larry Flint. But you don't know for sure. Probably. Right. If you're talking about uh, lampshades and <laughs> vaginas hanging all around the room, it's probably a stroke victim, Ed Gein's mom. Ed Gein's mom. And if there's a little bit of slur in there, it's it probably is a drunk person. Drunk MILF buying Mike shots of Goldschlager. <laughs> well, with that voice, though, she had been smoking some ciggies. <laughs> that was a... Hey, you. Know, <laughs> I like your PP outline. <laughs> oh, I could smell like the Virginia 120s, Virginia Slim 120s. When I grab a smoke. <laughs> Eat my box out in the hall. <laughs> oh. Misty menthols. <laughs> it <Yeah>. Awful. <laughs> yeah, that woman, whoever he's talking about right now, just smokes, she smokes Misty, Misty menthols. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My chlamydia is gone, Mike. You want to eat my asshole outside in the alley? Oh, that almost made me gag. <laughs> this imaginary woman legit almost just made me gag. <laughs> Her name's Randy. 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 <laughs> All right. I don't want Randy ever coming back. Declan, put her on the do not enter list. She's not allowed in the studio. 
Once the divorce from Fred was finalized, Dorothea moved to San Bernardino. In the spring of 1948, Dorothea started forging checks and got away with doing it at a department store and bought a bunch of clothes. She tried her luck and went back the next day to buy shoes, but the manager got suspicious. When the manager wouldn't take the check, Dorothea took off. She hopped on a bus and went a couple towns over, but was arrested pretty quick and sentenced to one year in jail. When one does a fraud, one does not hit the same place the next day. Nope. That's fraud 101 training. Come on. That's amateur hour. Dorothea was let out after serving four months of her sentence, moved to San Francisco, and was set up with a parole officer. Six months later, Dorothea took off, and a warrant was issued for her arrest, but no one looked for her very hard. It's not clear what she was up to in 1951, but in 1952, she married a merchant seaman named Axel Johansson. That's fate. Most sex workers are attracted to seamen. (laughs) In, in San Francisco. So she married this dude in San Francisco just a year after she skipped her parole. Like no one was really looking for her at all. She's not a high priority yeah. target, I guess. Just shoplifting nonsense. Yeah, they pretty much said fuck it. Isn't it crazy that you would get sentenced to a year in prison for a crime like that? Forging a single check. That's. I don't think that would happen today, right? I don't think so. No. Oh, today it'd be death penalty, probably. <laughs> United States of America. We love killing criminals. <laughs> In Texas, you don't even get a trial. There's like, we think you did this. Firing squad. <laughs> it's like Soviet justice. They take you in the back room with a drain, put one in the back of your head. Yeah, something like that. Sure. <laughs> when she got hooked up with Axel Johansson. That's the seaman, right? Yes, that is the merchant seaman. <laughs> Uh, she created a new alias calling herself Taya Singola Nayarda. But this time she upped the lies with that name and said that she was a Muslim woman of Egyptian and Israeli descent. So Axel would be out at sea for months at a time, which worked out for Dorothea. She was still doing sex work on the side. So much so that when Axel returned home from work, his neighbors confronted him about the steady stream of strange men coming in and out of his house and it wasn't like uh they were telling axel to be good neighbors like hey your wife's cheating on you they're like hey there's all these dudes just hanging out everywhere like get them the fuck out of here you're about the sixth semen in this house today pal (laughs) get your house in order axel obviously wasn't thrilled about it and dorothea would do the whole disappear for a month and then come home thing but out hoeing right (laughs) somehow they were able to work things out at least as far as records are concerned for the rest of the 1950s there aren't any arrest records or anything like that for dorothea so something clicked Hmm. maybe she was semi happy she got on the straight and narrow and never looked back we'll see you next week (laughs) (laughs) at this point dorothea was 31 years old and aging caught up to her a bit like it does with everybody yeah tell me about it not not me (laughs) i'm better shape now (laughs) she had gained weight over that eight years and the reality of sex work is that guys typically want younger women and dorothea was aware of that she knew that so she adjusted and started running a brothel she pulled off renting a business property and dorothea told the landlord that she would be running a bookkeeping business 
It's nice when uh, labor gets promoted to management. You like to see advancement in, the, in that area. <laughs> That's what America's all yeah, about, right? I like that. Dorothea ran the brothel successfully for almost a full year before the landlord started questioning things, like why there were nothing but male customers, why a bookkeeping service would stay open at all hours of the night. Like stuff this guy should have probably asked like right from the get go. Mm. Well, that's easy because women weren't allowed to own businesses in the early 60s and they were at home making dinner, not being out late at night. Seems legit. America. (laughs) Asked and answered, landlord. (laughs) The police ended up staking out the building and eventually sent in two undercover officers posing as truck drivers. The officer spoke to Dorothea, who was still using the name Taya Johansson, and they set up an appointment. As soon as Dorothea provided them a young woman and took the money, she was arrested. Dorothea was hit with pimping and pandering charges, but she pled down to being in a house of ill repute. And for this, she received 90 days in jail. And Axel had no idea what was going on. He didn't know that she was arrested for this and spent time in jail. He thought she just disappeared again for Mm. a while. So when she popped up after 90 days in jail, he's like, "Uh, all right. Pimping ain't easy, Axel. What do you want me to do, man? Aren't you just supposed to make the the Johns show their cocks to you before you accept money so you know they're not a cop? Is that how it works? In the movies, that's how it works. I I wouldn't know, Ian. I'm (laughs) suggesting that I've heard or read that that's how it works. Show me your cock to prove you're not a cop. I think along the lines of, like you said earlier, many of the people we cover... I think it's probably not the best criminal. No? Mm, yeah. I just thought there was ways around getting busted by the man when you're out hoeing, that's all. Maybe there are, and she just didn't know. She wasn't mentored in this, Dave. She's kind true. of going as she could. An elder pimp never took her under her wing and yeah. taught her the ways of pimping, and it's sure, certainly not easy from what I've heard. Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could put... Uh, Declan's sister out on the street. <laughs> Make some beer money. We think. <laughs> Practice our trade. <laughs> We'd make a lot of money, though. Yeah. Oh, man. She's a looker. <laughs> she got all the looks. Took it all from him. He got nothing. <laughs> Just a pimply, oily little fuck. <laughs> Could you imagine us as pimps? It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's our pimp service. Oh, hello, sir. <laughs> I would 100% be dressing like Kramer in Seinfeld. <laughs> Oof. In 1961, Axel had Dorothea committed to DeWitt State Hospital in Stockton, California. Dorothea's records say that she had an unstable personality and was a pathological liar. <laughs> I diagnosed that 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Pathological lying isn't a diagnosable mental illness, but it's part of the diagnosis of antisocial personality disorder, which is what every serial killer has. Everyone we've talked about has that. That seems to be the it's the mainstay, huh? That's the one where you're a really bad person or you're capable of really mm-hmm. bad things. So yeah, it makes sense for what Dorothy is going to end up doing. She wasn't at that hospital for very long. She was prescribed clozapine, which is a really sedating antipsychotic. And at the time, it was the only mass-produced medication to treat schizophrenia. It was so mass-produced that it ended up being kind of a catch-all medication for mental illnesses at this period of time. Big MK Ultra medication, too. Really? Yeah, they used that a lot. 
for its sedative properties, I would assume, right? Make people more pliable. Yeah. Makes sense. The thought is that Dorothea manipulated her way out of the hospital, like made the doctors believe that she was all better or something like that because clozapine wouldn't help anything that was going on with Dorothea. It would have just made her tired. When Dorothea was released, her and Axel resumed their marriage and moved to Wick, California. As far as we know, the next four years are much of the same with Dorothea disappearing for months at a time. Then something happened in 1966 that was enough for Axel, and he filed for divorce. Somewhere between the divorce in 1966 and 1968, Dorothea realized that she could prey on people in need to make money. She ditched sex work, and in 1968, Dorothea opened a boarding house. She would take in the homeless, intellectually disabled, alcoholics and drug addicts, people suffering from mental illness, and senior citizens. Pretty much anyone that needed somewhere to live and received disability funds from the government or could receive them, as in Dorothea would help them do the paperwork required to get their benefits. Let's get you signed up. Yeah. She was a master Hmm. of that system. She had like the social security department, government assistance department, you know, those, those Mm -hmm. offices and things figured out to like a science on how to get people their benefits the fastest. Is it in fact true that Wick, California is named after celebrated movie character, John Wick, who became famous in the born identity movies? (laughs) (laughs) Is that not the case? <laughs> It'd be cool if it was. Dave, you'd go. I would go. You're a I'd big go fan visit. of the board identity. The John Wick 4 looks sweet. It's going to be coming out soon. I think I've only seen the first one. Oh, man. Maybe the second one. First one's one the too. best. Second one was eh. Third one was better. I Maybe thought. I did see the first two. I'll have to, I'd have to watch them again, though. But, I didn't yeah, see those the third are, one. The first one was really good. Oh, yeah. So fun. Born Identity is good, too. It's for the record. Starring Ben Affleck, right? Yeah. I'm on a roll today. (laughs) That's essentially Goodwill Hunting, too. It's the sequel. Oh, okay. Perfect. Oh, man. I'll watch it now. (laughs) How do you like them apples? (laughs) Dorothea's first boarding house was an unlicensed healthcare facility. When someone moved in, they had to sign their disability or assistance money over to Dorothea. She said that this was to help her residents manage their money properly so no one took advantage of them. And Dorothea also had complete control over their medications, like administering them, holding on to them. Doubling them, tripling them. Yeah, giving people things that they're not supposed to take. Mm -hmm. I'm familiar with that business model of unlicensed healthcare provider. You can make some good money. I had that unlicensed gyno shot a couple (laughs) years ago. Did a killing. Then what, you decided to close up for a bit, take a break? Uh, Yeah, there were, there were some issues, some complications. <laughs> we had to shut down that location for a while. Randy came in once and we were like, ah, I need to get out of this business for a while. <laughs> You're like, I don't even have a license and I've never seen anything that looks like this. We're closing down shop and burning all the equipment. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Randy. <laughs> I'm not sure if Dorothea was still trying to say that she was part Egyptian, part Israeli, or the truth that she was white. But at this boarding house, Dorothea was now claiming to be Mexican, and she was now speaking Spanish. 
Is it because she liked the thought of being Mexican? Was she a fan of Mexicans? Or is she trying to hide from something? Or it's not really explained. I think she just likes being different. Like that whole lip outside of her life, giving herself a different origin story. Yeah. That makes sense. So the point where maybe it started off as like an escape Mm -hmm. mechanism, but now it's turned into a very manipulative thing that she's doing for her own gain. And she went all in on the Mexican thing. She was cooking. We'll talk about it next week, but she's, you know, going to be in this, in this neighborhood and have all these Hispanic people fooled because she's cooking like traditional Mexican meals and would give food to everybody. Like everybody was like, Oh yeah, she's the old, the old Mexican lady. Wow. Yeah. She ended up catching the attention of 21-year-old Roberto Puente. How it's told is that Roberto wanted his green card, so he married Dorothea and then left because the marriage only lasted two weeks. I also read two months. I don't know. but you need he, two years for the green card, don't you? He's like, it wasn't worth the green card. I'm getting the fuck, fuck out of this. here. I'm out of here. Yeah, he took off. Once that divorce was finalized, Dorothea filed bankruptcy and decided that she was going to step up the boarding house scam. She closed the first one and leased a 16-bedroom Victorian house in Sacramento. Wow. Also, these poor Puentes, she was married to him for a week or two. Now in perpetuity for forever, their family names linked to this maniac. Yeah. So how this house worked was Dorothea lived on a third floor. The second floor had the main kitchen and uh, an area for everyone to hang out in. Then the first floor was reserved for residents that received federal benefits. And then finally, the basement was for residents that only received county benefits. In the main house, each bedroom had its own bathroom and TV. But the basement, for the people that only got county benefits, was just a bunch of beds separated by curtains. County slugs down the <laughs> stairs. Man, class system right here. Yeah, right? You got it made upstairs. You got your own, what, uh, bathroom and TV? I'm federal, bitch. Get back down in the basement. I wonder what the what the spread on the on those benefits was. Like what how much more did uh the federal benefits people receive? Must have been a lot. To be able to live on the main floor? Yeah, to get your own room upstairs. My question is if you were had one of the beds in the basement, are you allowed to use the second floor main kitchen area and hangout area? Mm, maybe a hot plate in the basement. <laughs> I think everybody could be up in oh, there. Oh, they were a lot upstairs. Yeah. So why not just crash on the couch up there? That's what I would do. Mm. Be like, oops. She probably kicked them off. Probably. Killed them. <laughs> Just killed them. <laughs> You're not federal material. <laughs> Back in the follow, basement. Failure to follow these rules will result in your death. <laughs> We're running this bitch like Texas. Between everything, she was stealing somewhere around $12,000 a month from her residence. Topped out at 40 people. That's the highest I saw <gasps> at one time. <clears throat> I mean, that's over a million dollars a year adjusted for today's infl- or for inflation for today's money. Yeah. That's a lot of money back then. And yeah, she was living it up with all that money. She was wearing all kinds of expensive clothes, throwing fancy parties where she would invite social workers to win them over. She got, we said earlier that her, her weight had caught up with her like aging a little bit. She got all kind of plastic surgery done, like weight loss surgeries and stuff. Oh. Was she dating? Was she? Did she ever see those kids that got adopted out from years earlier? 
Did she ever see them again? I'm going to make a guess and say no. Doesn't sound like it, right? They were never mm. a part of her life. No, no. They were good for them. Mm. By 1974, she was getting involved in politics, hanging out with California governor Jerry Brown, and she would throw all kinds of money at fundraisers. Everybody <laughs> was won over with her. Like, this lady is doing amazing things. She's taking people that no one else wants. Mm-hmm. She's taking drug addicts. Um taking homeless people suffering from mental illness. Some people that that would be out on the streets homeless. So on the surface, she looks like a saint. Right. And she's taking those people in and then helping them out, getting them medicated and getting their benefits for them, getting them set up in the system. So yeah, to governor Jerry Brown's like, Oh, this fucking woman's amazing. Model citizen, this Mexican woman, (laughs) Mexican grandmas or whatever Americans would strive to be. Wasn't Gacy involved? Gacy was involved in politics. Yeah, he was big in the Democratic Party in Chicago. Was he also doing stuff? I know he was, you know, his victims were a lot of younger boys, but was he doing something to help boys too? Like he wasn't doing like boys club type stuff. Uh, He did the JC's thing. I don't know if that involved any boys stuff or not. All right, that's all. There was a picture of him with Rosalind Carter, wasn't there? Yeah. Isn't that what it was? Because he was in, involved in the politics. I, yeah. just, I couldn't remember if he was like part of like the clubs and like, oh, he's great for our, the youth of our community. That sounds right. He houses them in his crawl space <laughs> and <laughs> under his patio. That was a bad couple of years for Rosalind Carter. Picture with Gacy. Jim Jones too, right? Picture with Jim Jones. Phone conversation with Jim Jones that was mm. recorded. <clears throat> Oops. Eh, what are you going to do? This lady, though, like she, you should realize the scam might not go on forever. She should maybe socking some of this money away and not blowing it all on nonsense. Maybe have a getaway plan. Yeah, what an idiot. <laughs> Starting to think this lady's not very smart. <laughs> I don't think I like her anymore. Got to have an exit plan from your con. That's con 101, pal. So you're it telling me I sense. shouldn't be spell, send, spending my paychecks as soon as I get them? <laughs> Every last cent, pal. Every last cent. Like the nature boy over here. <laughs> <laughs> Limousine riding jet flying. I gotta go to Taco Bell. I rent a limo. It takes me up there. Of course. <laughs> like, fuck it. I got the money. And I always will. Yeah. <laughs> it's never ending. <laughs> also in 1974, Dorothea met her next and final husband, Pedro Montalvo. Pedro started working as a groundskeeper for Dorothea. And then after a while, he moved in as a tenant. Pedro had a lot of drug issues. So he would technically just be one of her residents, but she, for some reason, found a love interest in him. Um, she started letting him come up from the downstairs huh. into her living area. Look, say what you will about this woman, <laughs> but there's a lot of upward mobility around her. People advance. There's advancement opportunities <laughs> when it comes to the operations. Just got to be banger out a few times. Yeah. <laughs> Good to go. You are not stuck in a dead-end job around Dorothea <laughs> Puente. Something to be said for that. <laughs> there absolutely is. Yeah. Onward and upward, friends. <laughs> Within a year, they got married, but Pedro left after a month of marriage, and that was the last time, like I said, that Dorothea got married. Is that she, is her longest marriage, a month? Well, Axel put up with her shit for a That's long true. time. He She wasn't there most of the time. And he was doing semen stuff so yeah it was a good semen <laughs> she, she ditched the last name montalvo and went back to puente 
And that's where she's going to stay for the rest of her life. Dorothea Puente lying about being a Mexican woman. Necronomapod is sponsored by BetterHelp. When was the last time you learned something new about yourself? What was that like? How did it make you feel? As people, we're constantly evolving and bettering ourselves. So you shouldn't be surprised when you learn something new. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Perhaps this means professionally, spiritually, mentally, or even just educating ourselves and becoming smarter. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, because sometimes we don't know what we want or act the way we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. BetterHelp therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy a great way to discover more about who you are and empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. So why wait any longer? Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Necro today and get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. The next three years were good for Dorothea. She had a scam that was running flawlessly, and she had gained tons of respect in the community until 1978. In 1978, one of Dorothea's tenants got arrested, and while in jail, one of that tenant's assistance checks were cashed. She's just shooting herself in the foot here. Yeah, that's that's just uh, that's check cashing fraud 101. There, everyone knows that. Come on. <laughs> The Treasury Department started an investigation, and they found 34 more checks to 34 separate tenants of Dorothea's, and the handwriting all looked the same on all of the checks. Dorothea was facing felony charges, and these were federal ones, but she pled down to a lesser forgery charge and received five years probation. Nice. Nice slap on the wrist, huh? Mm -hmm. She'll learn. She must have had... Well, she was rich at this point, probably. She's probably a good lawyer. Afford good legal counsel. She knew Jerry Brown, hobnobbing. Yeah. Dorothea briefly went to live in Stockton. She found some work there, and her parole officer let her go. But once 1979 rolled around, Dorothea came up with a new scam. She was now going to be a nurse that specialized in making house visits. Dorothea also changed her appearance. She cut her hair short, let it get gray and curly, she started wearing big glasses, the ones we were talking about in the beginning. <laughs> and she started hunching her shoulders over. She wanted to resemble a kindly old grandma, and she pulled it off really well. She was also lying about her age. At this point, Dorothea was 50 years old, but she was telling people that she was 65 or 70, depending on who she talked to. That's what you guys do to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost wonder if she purposely lost her teeth. Because when mm. you talk, when you said like she has that bird face, mm -hmm. she has the bird face when she doesn't have dentures in. Uh, she didn't have any teeth at all, and I almost wonder if she did mm. it on purpose. Maybe that was from her hoeing days, and that was like a <laughs> job enhancement that she had done back way, way back when. Better suction. <laughs> well, okay, you know. 
so with this new idea, Dorothea needed somewhere to live and kind of started building this new scam. She responded to an ad that Ricardo Odorica placed to rent out the second floor of his house. When Dorothea responded, Ricardo was excited. Like everyone else, he fell for Dorothea's Mexican lie and you know, he had kids, so he's like, oh, they'll have this kindly old grandmother figure living upstairs. She's Mexican. We're Mexican. Everybody, you know, mm. it just makes sense. And it'll. Is that part of the lease agreement when you rent a room from someone? You have to be a nice grandma to their kids. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a lot of responsibility. She was great with the kids. Like it, it turned into kind of like a big happy family thing. Like they would have her down for. Mm you know, holidays and stuff to celebrate with them. And she finally found her place in the world and they all lived happily ever after. That's it. How did you have to, this isn't two parts. (laughs) There's no murders in here. What are you talking about? (laughs) You fucking nuts. She had no issues finding work. Once she got settled at Ricardo's companies were in need of nurses that would do home visits and no one ever checked out her fake resume, anything like that. Jesus. It's real good. I think it was nine different companies. She, at she this worked time, for. Yeah, at this time. And no one verified anything. Isn't that crazy? If only Dade had, had his clip. Nine, 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 <laughs> nine, nine. <laughs> but you could fake all kinds of shit back in those days, huh? Before yeah. databases and internets and like, yeah, I'm a nurse. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> But even in this day and age, like if they're not doing the due diligence, you can get by with it. If they're not doing any due diligence here, she's going to get by with it. Yeah. Of course, it's easier now to 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 check, but not guaranteed. Couldn't have You're been right. very difficult to ask for a resume and then say, "Can we have a reference? One single reference, a single solitary <laughs> reference." But I've seen you do a nurse. Yeah, to, to speak to your nursing skills. That's all they had to do. She's like, see what had happened (laughs) was I lost my resume. (laughs) Pretty soon, Dorothea started to provide live-in care for a woman named Esther Busby, which gave Dorothea access to Esther's social security checks. (laughs) No, that's not how that works. (laughs) Does not entitle you to that. Yeah, no. (laughs) Not too long after Dorothea started living there, Esther started going to the ER regularly for heart issues. Do you think that Dorothea like was like just brought like signed on as like a payee and was like agreed that like she was going to start handling the finances because this lady was like, Oh, I can't do it anymore. I need more than just like nurse help. I need possibly live in support with all of my life. And Dorothea's like, cha-ching got it. Yeah, no problem. I'll help you with all that. But I I guess that's a different skill set than being a home health nurse. Right. Sure, but and you know, I don't know the way she finagled it, but yeah. she has maybe, no nurse. Maybe she did. She has no medical experience at all. Well, right, <laughs> like but what zero. he's saying is just because then this this that was that the Esther brings her in as a nurse. Yeah. Now all of a sudden we're talking about her social security checks. What was done that you wouldn't just say, "Oh, you're my nurse now. You get my checks. You manage all that." There has to be a process. You know, was she doing more than just that? Right. And, and was she fucking it? wasn't. She's not good at what she does. No, she's right. like, oh, oh, these are mine now. I'll, I'm, I'm helping you. <laughs> I'll use this and I'll go get you groceries. Yeah, like it's one thing to come over and give you a bath every day. It's another to take over your whole financial 
portfolio and cash right. your checks and do everything else like that. And Esther but, was happy with this. This is what she needed. She needed a nurse to live in mm-hmm. and that's did not have to go to a nursing home or something. She just was able to stay in her house. And we're also talking like not even baths, like that's home health aid type stuff. She's trying to be a nurse. Like you're actually trying to take care of this woman yeah. beyond all of that. She's taking care and of she all has kinds no of skills in that. <laughs> I mean, before to keep it, you know, within a podcast format, we kind of yada yada through a lot there. But when she started this scam, she would just go to people's houses. Just she would get like, like kind of cold call them. No, she would just get like a from the company. They would have like a route of like four patients that needed to be seen that day. Mm-hmm. So she would stop by their houses and she did that for a while. And then she worked her way up into the system where people really trusted her. And she was now given this live in position, which is a lot more responsibility. So she, she did have references and stuff at this point. So by she, this point, then yeah, yeah, she, she had yeah. bullshitted enough that she did. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Zero medical experience, like never anything. She she bought she had a bag, um, initially how it worked, and she put a stethoscope in it and some other nonsense that, that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> like a Snickers bar. <laughs> but people just bought it. They were like, oh yeah, okay, you're a nurse. Can you imagine BS in your way in that? And then like the first day, like, okay, Dave, you got to draw blood, find their vein. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> you just pass out. Nope. <laughs> You're like, wait, no, no, no. I don't do that. I, I'm a no blood nurse. You take my temperature. What's well, my asshole. I'm, <laughs> I'm not three years old. <laughs> I'm not a blood nurse. I'm a blood free nurse. I don't do that. <laughs> So Esther started going to the ER regularly for heart, uh, for heart issues. Aside from the live-in nurse, Esther required assistance, um, as in she had a social worker assigned to her. And that social worker, Mildred Ballinger, started to notice a pattern in Esther going to the ER. So she went to Esther's doctor with her concerns. Dr. Lochner decided to visit Esther's house to see what the conditions were like for himself. And like we were just saying, Esther was happy to have Dorothea there. They were, you know, just like friends hanging out, you know. Yeah, old people get lonely. I'm sure she's having, like you said, having a friend. And Dorothea's taking care of her. There wasn't anything that Dr. Lochner saw that would warrant an investigation, but he was still suspicious. He Doctor's intuition. Something was off with Dorothea. Mm -hmm. The next time Esther had to go to the hospital, Dorothea took her to a different one out of Dr. Lochner's network. So she she picked up on this. <laughs> the doctor at the other hospital reached out to Dr. Lochner anyways, and Dr. Lochner asked them to run a toxicology report on Esther. The test results showed that Esther had phenobarbital and digoxin in her system. Phenobarbital is for seizures. Esther didn't have seizures, and she wasn't prescribed a phenobarbital. Esther did have a heart condition, but not one that required digoxin. However, Dorothea did take digoxin for a heart condition. And if you take that medication when you're not supposed to, it causes heart arrhythmias that can kill you. So these these crazy heart palpitations mm-hmm. and stuff that, that Esther kept going to the hospital for, digoxin would cause that if you're not to supposed to Dorothea take it. Dorothea may have been doing something uh, not right here. <laughs> 
Does she not understand the Hippocratic Oath? <laughs> no, no, she, no she doesn't. She never like, had a class. She's like the hippo what, motherfucker? <laughs> Wait, do nurses have to take the Hippocratic Oath, or is that just a doctor thing? Well, we're not nurses, know. so we don't, don't know yeah, either. We don't know. Sounded good. Dr. Lochner and Mildred Ballinger reported Dorothea to the police, but there was no evidence to really launch an investigation. Esther listened to Dr. Lochner and fired Dorothea, but Dorothea was safe from any legal issues with this. There was nothing to, to really do. They didn't really have enough to get her on anything. It was just more. Yeah. Like what's the end game? If it's a financial scam and you kill this lady, her checks are going to stop because she has a social worker. It's not like no one knows whoa, whoa, about whoa. her. You're you can, thinking way too far ahead here, motherfucker. It just doesn't make sense. Like, if you're stealing her money, cashing her checks or whatever, wouldn't you want to keep her alive? I don't know where the story's going to go, but does she just get off on killing people? Like, is it just something about she likes to kill people? Maybe that's I don't know. I'm just asking. Maybe it's more than, than just the financial aspect. That's a good question. I think it's more. Okay. I think there's more to it. Asked and answered. Ish. I guess I'll find out more next week. I'm going to have fucking Puenta Blue Balls, which one of our customers had in the past, allegedly, if she was doing so well. Now I got them. In January 1982, Dorothea was out drinking at the Zebra Club and hit it off with 74-year-old Malcolm McKenzie. Malcolm invited Dorothea back to his apartment nearby, so they got in a cab and, and left the bar. On the ride to his apartment, Malcolm said that he started to feel really dizzy and like his arms didn't want to work. Dorothea helped Malcolm into his apartment and laid him on the couch. By this time, it was clear to Malcolm that Dorothea had poisoned him, but he was completely paralyzed. All he could do was lay there silent, watching Dorothea go around his apartment looking for stuff to steal. Terrifying. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. Holy shit. That's right along the lines of uh, this past shadow people episode and the almost like sleep paralysis type thing except you're just watching this person ransack your home not being able to move is so scary was shadow people a sunday show i can't fucking remember yeah dude. Okay. Yeah. yeah the sleep paralysis was the bonus show we did yeah okay i can't keep track but yeah that that's gonna keep be, track for you yeah that's he'll you have an intern it. for that one he handles all of it but that would be horrible. First of all, it'd be terrifying just not being able to move. And then you're just watching this this lady just take everything. Like you're completely conscious. You're not whatever she gave Malcolm didn't make him drowsy really and like fall asleep. It just froze him. Paralyzed him. Yeah. That's even worse. Yeah, you'd almost rather be drowsy. I'd rather be out. out. Yeah. Wake up and my shit's gone. I don't want to watch you do it and Right. Assume she's going to come slit your throat when she finds what she's looking for, you know? Because that's, a, yeah. of course, what you're thinking. Yeah, or pull out a gun and just shoot Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd be more concerned that she's going to steal my world title belts that I, have, <laughs> that I have earned in various grappling competitions over the years. Those should be in the safe, pal. Nice <laughs> amateur hour. They really you leave those laying be. around the house? Well, they're hidden, but still. <laughs> Where, like, where are they hidden? Well, I'm not going to fucking say. There's <laughs> like 13 people that listen to this show. What if they come try to steal my belts? They're hidden. They can challenge me to a grappling contest like everybody else does and try to win them from me like a true man or a true woman would do. 
I only fight women though. I'm like fucking Andy Kaufman, <laughs> intergender wrestling champion of the world. So Malcolm was laying there completely silent, just watching Dorothea go around his apartment. She grabbed one of Malcolm's suitcases and filled it with cash, checks, a coin collection, and some other small valuables. As she was walking toward the door to leave, Dorothea turned around, walked over to Malcolm, pulled a diamond pinky ring off of his finger, and then turned around and walked out the door. It's so cold. Wow. Yeah. Dirty bitch. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) Dorothea was arrested two days later when she tried to cash checks belonging to Malcolm. She wasn't in jail for long. She was released and had a pretrial meeting scheduled for April of that year. Mm-mm-mm. It's bold. It's a bold, uh, it's a bold plan. It's it's a ramp up like in a serial killer. Seeing what she can get away with. I don't know because you know, she was poisoning people. She was fucking around with people's medication and stealing things from them as when she was a, a traveling nurse. Mm-hmm. Then as a live in, she was poisoning Esther for some type of a, a personal reason. It, it wasn't a financial, like you said, there's no financial gain in killing Esther. That's right. But she was trying to. Yeah. It's, it's better off financially to keep her alive. If you're getting and using her social security checks. Mm. So why then now she just went out and attacked somebody. She preyed on this guy. She went out knowing this was what she was going to do that night and allowed him to see her doing all this stuff. Right. And now what we're going to get to next is like the ultimate ramp up. Okay. That makes sense to me. I see the arc. I see the arc here. Clearly it's just this crime in general. She's, she's into that. Yeah. Yeah. Like every, most people, you know, the thrill of the crime, the money's just a added bonus. Did she still have money at this point? So like maybe she is just doing this for the thrill of it because she doesn't need necessarily the money or did she kind of blow through that all and lost it all when she was locked up for a while? Yeah, she blew through money a lot. So she was taking limousines at Taco Bell too? (laughs) Yeah, she wasn't saving her money. (laughs) Might have to scale back on that. Around this time while at the bar drinking, Dorothea met 61-year-old Ruth Monroe. Ruth's husband was very ill and she was on hard times. Dorothy's like, yeah, I can relate. I'm getting pretty close to rock bottom here. The two of them became fast friends and were hanging out all the time. Ruth's husband had terminal cancer, and when he died, Dorothea saw it as an opportunity to prey on Ruth. In April of 1982, Dorothea talked Ruth into moving in with her. She was still on the second floor of Ricardo's house. Then the two of them went into a business together to open a restaurant and Ruth put thousands of dollars into a joint account. On April 27th, 1982, Ruth's daughter, Rosie, stopped by to visit and found her mother in a really deep sleep, like pretty much a drug-induced coma. Dorothea told Rosie that she was afraid Ruth was having a nervous breakdown, so she took her to the ER. According to Dorothea, the doctor at the ER gave Ruth a shot to sedate her. Rosie believed Dorothea without question, She was worried about her mother's health, but she trusted Dorothea. The whole Monroe family did. They fell for the kindly old grandmother scam. She's good. She's a good con, apparently. She's got the look. She's got it 
the persona down. I feel like the look's the biggest thing, right? Like she looks just like a sweet old lady. Like someone that looks like that can't possibly do any harm to you, right? Be murdering people or wanting to murder people. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she was charismatic too. She was able to talk these people and kind of win be, them right? over yeah. and yeah, charm them. Yeah, she was very personable. You know, like she had that kind of it thing about her, like that whole like a whole aura around mm-hmm. her. She seems like she could have been a good cult leader with like the lies, the bullshit, the uh, the being the the being able to get people to trust you. The there fraud. was a mo- there was a moment in in this part where she kind of has a Jim Jones vibe. She's in with all the politicians, yeah, right. respected by the community. She had a base set. She just went the wrong way. Later that day, Ruth's son, Bill, went over. And Ruth was awake. But she was drinking a mixed drink from Dorothea. <laughs> it was like a it was like a minty drink. I can't remember what it was called. A mint julep. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill was thrown off. He was like, she never. Mm. My mom never drinks. And Ruth said you know i've been having a hard time with you know your dad passing away you know stressed out about the whole restaurant thing dorothea just made made it for me to calm me down you like mike mint juleps mike (laughs) (laughs) i'm good thank you (laughs) i didn't lace this one with any blue chew or anything drink up sonny boy (laughs) i don't know if i've actually had a mint julep they don't sound good though it's bourbon yeah, but I'm not big on even like bourbon. Like I don't like Manhattans. I don't like uh, old fashions. Like I just want the bourbon if I'm okay. going to drink that. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of like those drinks. Mint juleps are tasty. I like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Does that count? Oh, it's the best. It really is the best. It's the best. It's no question. People shit on it. Who shits on it? A lot of people. They're like, I don't taste like I'm brushing my teeth. Yeah. Uh-huh. You just have bad taste. Yeah. It's so good. The, the Ben and Jerry's mint chocolate chip cookie or whatever it's called is number one. It's like heaven in your mouth. Mm. It is one of the greatest things I've ever tasted. Mint chocolate chip cookie. Is that what it's called? I don't know. I can't, it's mint chocolate chip something. But just, I, I can't but remember. But they probably have a fancy name for it, yeah. right? Because it's Ben and Jerry's. I'm going to have to try oh that. Oh my God. Is it good? I don't eat ice cream very often, but then when I do, I'm like all in on it that and the ben and jerry's cannoli ice cream oh my god that sounds real good it's so fucking good we've been talking way too much about food here in the last <laughs> yeah, super few minutes. minutes i used to have a i have like a, a pull out drawer like a secondary drawer in my freezer i used to have a ben and jerry shelf <laughs> different kinds of ben Just and all jerry's. kinds of ben and jerry's you're like take a little scoop from you a little scoop from you ben and jerry's is the best it's so good is, is that your favorite? I don't eat ice cream it's enough to favorite. know what the best brands are. Yeah. That's all I buy. Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. And they only come in the pints, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you got to try that mint chocolate chip one. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck. I mean, is that I'm good? sure I would love it. I oh love mint God. chocolate chip. I think Dave's going to get some ice cream tomorrow. <laughs> oh. I'll look it up. I'll be back to you by the end of the show with the, with the proper name right. and convention of it so you can order it. <laughs> We got to get in touch with them. I want to start Necronomapod mint chocolate chip. Oh, man. That would be the pinnacle right there, <laughs> buddy. Be, you'd retire. Fucking That's it. Ben and Jerry's flavor. <laughs> Cross promo oh. Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> I love those guys. It's so good. <laughs> Two of my personal fucking heroes in the world. Ben, ben and, and Jerry, Jerry, man. They are awesome. <laughs>
At 5.30 a.m. on April 28th, Dorothea called Rosie and told her to get Bill, that they needed to hurry over. And when they arrived, Dorothea told them that Ruth was dead. Everyone was shocked. Like, did Ruth maybe take, like, accidentally take too much of a medication? They did not believe at all that she would willingly commit suicide. And it didn't even cross their minds that Dorothea would do anything wrong. They were all, they all fell for, for the scam. Meanwhile, Rosie's husband, John was sitting in the background. He's like, I'm, there's something really off with Dorothea. Some people know, some people can spot through that. And it's not to say anybody's facade. And it's not to say like the family's stupid because I would fall for Dorothea Puente. Sometimes I'm 99% sure I would, that Mm. I would not think a thing Maybe after a while, I you know, I don't know, but... I'm naturally distrustful of people, so I, I don't know. I don't trust anybody. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So why are you saying you would fall for it, then? I wouldn't think she was doing this, that's for sure. I wouldn't think she's murdering people. That'd be a stretch to... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. But again, too, maybe even some of these people are too close. John's a little bit on the outside of this thing, kind of looking at it in a different perspective than maybe the family is. And so he's he's seeing Dorothea in a different light and maybe like, hey, my, my bullshit sensor is going off a little bit here. Mm-hmm. The kids are seeing it as this kindly old grandmother that is really helping out their mother get through a hard time and... And like was maybe even the there for in her last moments or kind of looking, framing at that angle. Dan, I think there's something that what you said, Mike, that John has a different perspective on things a little <laughs> a more. A little bit more removed from the situation or at least a step removed. And, yeah. yeah. John pushed for Dorothea to be investigated for potentially killing Ruth. An autopsy was done and John got the toxicology done. It sounded like the coroner wasn't going to do a toxicology report or something, and John really pushed hard for it. That report came back with lethal doses of Tylenol and codeine in Ruth's system. Both drugs were never found in her possession. There was no real evidence that anyone murdered Ruth, though. The coroner wasn't even confident that the lethal doses of Tylenol and codeine were what killed her because there was no cause of death listed. Mm. Can't really charge on that. Yeah, and just because you don't find the bottle of Tylenol or codeine in her stuff, that doesn't mean, you know, who knows? Sure. John kept digging, and he found that Dorothea never took Ruth to the hospital for a sedative like she said she did. John took that info to the police, but still everything was very circumstantial. There wasn't, there wasn't a murder to investigate at this point. So maybe we've she's found where her true skills lie. She maybe wasn't the best con or thief, but covering her tracks for murder, maybe she uh, has a feel for it, knows what she's doing here. Who's the fucking coroner, the guy from West Memphis 3? <laughs> the hell was that guy's name? Oh, that, guy, that guy was a professional. I uh, hired that guy, Mike. I wish you wouldn't demean him like that. Fami Malik. Fami Malik, great guy. The dogs re- regurgitated his uh, severed head. <laughs> so yeah. Chelsea's, Chelsea's godfather. Guy. <laughs> He's there at a baptism. That dude just failed upward. Like, like, consistently. <laughs> yeah. So 
what's crazy about this is we're still in April. Remember, she has this trial coming up for poisoning Malcolm McKenzie. Ruth dies on April 28th. I couldn't find the day, but it had to be either on the 29th or the 30th that Dorothea had her preliminary hearing for drugging and robbing Malcolm McKenzie. The judge ruled that there was sufficient evidence for a trial to move forward, and they would set that date at another hearing. Dorothea knew that she was fucked. She started making plans to flee the country to Mexico. Well, she's Mexican, of course. That's where she's <laughs> yeah. going. She's like, I go to Canada. She's going home. <laughs> On May 16, 1982, Dorothea called one of her friends, Dorothy Osborne, to come over. Dorothy didn't want to go out, but she told Dorothea to come over to her house. When Dorothea showed up at 11 a.m., she was already drunk and had brought two bottles of vodka with her. Who the fuck she thinks she is, me? (laughs) (laughs) Dorothea and Dorothy Osborne sat down to have a couple drinks. And after one, Dorothy Osborne started feeling dizzy. The next thing she knew, it was dark out and Dorothea was gone. She's fucking drugging everybody. She's like a chemist. (laughs) (laughs) Dorothea Osborne was super confused. And then she started noticing that stuff was missing. Her checkbook, credit cards, and rolled pennies that had her name and phone number written on them. (laughs) I love it. That's great. Can't take them to the bank if they don't have your name and phone number on them, right? <laughs> Rolled coins in general, like... Yeah. Hello, Dorothy! This is Hildebrand! We, we have your rolled pennies here! You, for, you forgot to put your name and phone number on them! We're gonna send these back to you and uh, deduct the money from your account! I like I like that there's no name or phone number, but Mrs. Hildebrand knows who they are and she calls. <laughs> She's that on top of it. That's right. She knows all that goes on at the bank. <laughs> What are you doing, you dumb cunt, Dorothy? Everyone knows you have to have your name and phone number on rolled pennies. Is that for real what you had to do back in the day? I've never had to deal with rolled money. I don't know. I don't know. My grandma used to do it. That's why I wrote in the notes, classic grandma move, because yeah. that's what my grandma did all the time. Seems really annoying. Like You had to like put your finger on the bottom and stack all the pennies up. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. It was absurd. My grandpa would do it like for a month or so and then he would just give me all the rolls at the end of the month that's nice yeah you had to do no work and just collected it all yeah he would hook me up with rolled coins all the time hot damn him and my grandma both wrote their names and the phone numbers <laughs> on the <laughs> rolls so, yeah is it so like when, a defense mechanism like no one will steal it if our names on them. Like, what are they gonna do with them they can't <laughs> catch them with someone else's name on them you couldn't ever just open them and take the camp coins out. Once they're in there, that is it. You got to respect the uh, role. Yeah, when I was writing this last night, I'm like, fuck yeah, Dorothy. Good job writing your name and number. On so Dor- Hello, there's only um, you're missing a one time in this role. We're going to have to penalize you overdraft fee. $35. Oh, Mrs. Hildebrand's the worst. No nonsense bank over Bullshit. there. Bullshit. Fuck that bank. What <laughs> bank does that bitch work for? Dorothy then went to the kitchen and saw some white powder on the counter. She scooped it up, and along with the glass that she was drinking out of, she went to the police. A be on the lookout was put out for Dorothea, and she was arrested three days later after someone spotted her. She had a plane ticket to Mexico, along with Dorothy Osborne's rolled pennies with her name and number <laughs> written on them. <laughs> Fucking got her. 
Oh, <laughs> don't me, Mrs. Holtrankine. We recovered the stolen goods. You'd be happy to know your $3 is back in your account with your old pennies. So now that she tried to flee, more charges were added, and Dorothea was denied bail. Dorothea took a plea deal and was sentenced to five years in prison for the poisonings and robbery of Malcolm and Dorothy Osborne. The next day, the Sacramento Bee ran the headline, quote, Woman who slipped Mickey's draws five years. Bill Monroe picked up the paper and was shocked. The Monroe family had no idea that Dorothy was even in any trouble at all, especially for what they think that she did to kill their mother. Bill and the rest of the Monroe family sat down with the DA's office who prosecuted Dorothea, and they laid everything out. The case was passed on to the Major Crimes Unit for further investigation. The Major Crimes Unit came back and said that they believed that Ruth's death was a suicide as the result of her husband passing away. So the Monroe family were sitting there devastated because they had that, that gut feeling. like They knew in their gut that Dorothea had killed their mother. The DA that got Dorothea sentenced to five years had retired. So he wasn't in control of what was brought to the table here. The way he tells it now, I don't know if it's revisionist history or what, mm -hmm. but the way he tells it now is that he felt Dorothea should have been investigated. Mm. And that if he was still the DA, he would have pushed with it. People like to paint themselves in a different light looking back. You calling this guy a liar? <laughs> <laughs> it might be revisionist history. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> just saying when people look back, it's not always uh, crystal clear. I'm still not on the fence. History. I think my revisionist history is I wouldn't have <laughs> went after her. She seems all right. Yeah. You're a fan. <laughs> well, the coroner ruled, ruled, uh, ruled the one a suicide. <laughs> so who are we to say? Mike Namapod. <laughs> Dorothea Puente, super fan. <laughs> you should start a petition like, to get her convictions to thrown out. Well, hold on, spoiler. I don't know how this story ends next week. <laughs> she just got five years. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, we're talking about these ones? Yeah. yeah. No, throw those out. <laughs> so, you know, they're sitting there. You know, the family is sitting there devastated and Dorothea was doing five years and that's where we'll pick back up on part two and part two. We'll talk about how Dorothea was able to open another boarding house after prison and the eight victims that she murdered. Wow. It's a hell of a setup. It really is like a psycho you know, she, sentenced to five years comes out another boarding house, eight more victims. There are some major issues or at least were, you know, I'm sure there. Not everything's perfect, but at least back then, that, that whole boarding house system is real loose with what you could get away with. Clearly. And we'll talk about it next week. Like I said, she was a master of getting people their assistance, and she's going to figure out how to go unlicensed and not questioned at all about being unlicensed. Unlicensed she, is the best way to go. Licensing takes she, time. You have to get permits and you have to go to school and stuff. <laughs> unlicensed is a straight path to, you don't have to worry about any of those complications. <laughs> Why go to nursing school when you just be a nurse? Yeah. Do it the Dorothea way. Yes. Yeah. Save the time. I <laughs> like, I like the vagina a lot. I said, <laughs> I don't want to go to medical school, so I'm going to open. I'd like to be a gynecologist, though. I'm going to open an unlicensed gynecology practice. And it was so super easy. I just <laughs> I paid to have a sign. I threw it up on the 
white van that we drove around town <laughs> for a mobile location. Mobile gynecology. <laughs> and uh, it was great. <laughs> the gynomobile. No rules, no deductibles. That was our uh, that was our, was our logo, I think. I like to think that like like just like a seat came down like in the back of the van, <laughs> and uh, like the little stirrups came up. No, like, oh, yeah, it was all automated. And it was great. <laughs> no regulators, no no taxes. We didn't have to pay taxes on it. Everything was in cash. Paging Dr. Dave Namapod. Yeah. You have to like get out of the driver's seat, come around, yeah. put on your mask, and you come on in. Oh, we didn't do masks. We, we didn't get gloves. We, <laughs> didn't, we didn't have all those unnecessary like, expenditures. Whose pussy needs looked at? <laughs> the doctor is in. I like to think that you showed up, like, have some fun with it. Like, your mask, like, you were like a snorkel. You're like, I'm getting in that pussy. Let's take a look. Open up. I'm diving in. <sighs> Down there blowing bubbles. Yeah. So, mint chocolate cookie. That's the Ben and Jerry. Okay. I highly recommend you try this. Okay. <laughs> Mint chocolate cookie. Sounds good. It is heaven on earth in your mouth. Heaven on earth and in your mouth. Yes. That's what I used to tell girls in college. Girls, when they figured out that wasn't true, what happened then? <laughs> I'd go get them some Ben and Jerry's mint chocolate chip. <laughs> We'd sit on my couch and watch the burbs, and it'd be an awesome night anyways. Win-win. Backup plan, sure. Uh, all right. Well, I would say final thoughts, but we got next week. Oh, yeah. I'm going to yeah. say those. I have some thoughts. I'm going to stew on them for the, the week in between, though. This is um, a really crazy, interesting story that th- this this girl is all over the place. Mm-hmm. And no accountability. Yeah. No, it's pretty. That whole boarding system is pretty loose back then. I don't know what it's. I'm sure there's still issues today, but I'm sure. Well, and it's kind of like what we talk about with a lot of these stories is look at the kind of like the the class of the citizens she's preying on and oh, yeah. maybe why this all just kind of goes under the radar. If you're living in a boarding house, you're probably, you know, down on your luck at the time. And you can scoop up what people consider to be the dregs, get them off the street, house them, what make you're it doing look like behind the scenes. Doing people are not going to be really interested in. It's the illusion of what you're doing for them. Yeah, you look like a hero. Yep. The homeless schizophrenic that's sitting on the corner talking to himself. Mm-hmm. 99.9% of people are not going to help that guy. Yeah. Dorothea went and grabbed him. and It's a great cover story. Yeah. Smart. It's smart. It's absolutely smart. All I'd like right. to end today with a FMK. Okay. Fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> okay. Dorothea Puente. <laughs> Aileen Warnos. Catherine Knight. I'm going to have to get to my Google machine. Hmm. Ian might not remember Catherine Knight because he was uh, beyond intoxicated oh, that was that one. when we did that show. She's the Australian lass that ate her boyfriend in some soup. She put him in some soup. She, she did. She made the gravy. Stew? She made gravy Something like out that. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. What at what era are we? Like when? Like in their primes when they're committing the crimes? Mm. Any era you choose, it's wide open. You can go white hoeing um, Dorothea Puente when she's 20. You can go Mexican grandma Dorothea Puente <laughs> when she's 60. What about the Egyptian-Israeli version? You can go Egyptian-Israeli, exotic-looking Dorothea Puente when she's 32. <laughs> Good Lord, man. <laughs> this is not a fun one at all. all right, well, I'm going to base mine off of personalities. 
Okay. In this situation. So I'm going to kill Dorothea. I'm going to F Catherine Knight because she was like all partying, you know, mm. drinking it up. And I'm going to marry Eileen. Because I mean, she's a little misunderstood and she was, yeah. uh, she was a product of her environment. I don't think she was naturally inclined to murder people. I am 100% in agreement with you. Nice. I would do the exact same thing. I'm definitely ma- marrying Eileen. I'm actually going to bang Dorothea and kill Catherine Knight. Okay. That was not a fun one at all. <laughs> I don't love that one one bit. <laughs> I don't feel good about any of my answers on that one. You don't have to. You all just right. have to answer them. You know, usually when I do them, I give a guy one too, just to be fair. You got a guy one for us? Nope. Okay. My rules. Hey, it's your FMK. That was good. We haven't, well, we just did one when you and I had that show. We did. Uh, on the bonus show, we did a few FMKs. Did we? We did. That's right. We did. Because I gave you the Harry Potter one because I didn't know any of those people. Like Gandalf and Voldemort. <laughs> Gandalf. <and> Crimson <laughs> Tide or whatever it was. Anyways. I don't remember what they were because I edited that still. <laughs> I was, mm. we were looking for something to talk about and I was just scrolling through and found like a website that had a bunch. So I threw a few at, at them real quick and we did them there and it was all right. People like the FMKs, but I feel like we ran through a lot of the good ones. So that was, that's fair. Was um was good. I mean that wasn't good, but that was it was what it was. You guys were shitting on bonging beers in that episode. Oh, not a fan. No, nope. I used to be all about that back in the day. Really? Man. Never, 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 never. It always grossed me out to like put my mouth on that thing that like people were like sticking their thumbs in to like plug up and everyone's mouths were on it. But then even oh, yeah, like and then even beyond that, like I'm just not. I can't chug anything that without throwing up yeah. i will drink beer all day long you ask me to chug one beer i'll throw it right up i don't like chugging either yeah this was like nine you were nine yeah when i was nine years old <laughs> also i have zero <laughs> zero recollection of us discussing that i vaguely do oh i couldn't tell I mean, you clearly we did he, he listened to it well i think it was because that fucking clown was pouring vodka straight vodka down women's throats mm. and killing them that's oh, right yeah, yeah that's it Dave, you got uh, some patrons? I do have some patrons. Thank you to new patrons, Dave. Oh. <laughs> hey, Dave. <laughs> Sarah Kay, Josh Allaire, Nicole Cook, Madeline Healy, Kyra, Hillary Arse, Eric Noah Hubby, Lost Geographer, Tickling Dave's Big Cute Feet. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> Is that, you, is that you, Mike? Is that your new Patreon account? That's me. <laughs> Carol Vargas, Ann Carroll, Amber Minton, Stina, Katie Marshall, Haley, Amanda Bryant, Gary Spur, Danny Turner, Holly Garrett, Jono, Kristen Meredith, Kristen. Mike is definitely a disinformation agent. He probably doesn't even like wrestling. <laughs> How about that, fella? <laughs> Do I disinformationize things? Mm. Mm. It's a bold statement there, buddy. How do you respond to that? I, I, I don't know. I I don't deny the claims. Okay. Let's leave that <laughs> hanging there. Although I, that'd be a lot of research if I didn't really like wrestling and I still have that wealth of knowledge. That'd be a, a lot of point. wasted time it's looking shit up. <laughs> hey, boys, what are your favorite edibles? I think that's uh, Ian. Your question. mom's panties. 
I don't know. I only, I only use a vape now. I don't like edibles. Ian's edible free, vape only. Yeah. Sorry, we don't have a good answer to that one. Alexandria Brown, Kay Blair, Kevin Balin, Ryan B., Sir Tom Longwand. <laughs> That's not his real name. <laughs> he attached his birth certificate. I'm looking right oh. at it. <laughs> Benji Lilly, Ashley Keller, Christy LaBeouf. Keep it coming, please. C U M M I N G. <laughs> oh, you mean like coming? <laughs> Super bad. Samantha, Robert Colson, Shay C, Ryan Pietch, Beaver Nia- <laughs> Beaver Navigator. I'm I'm guessing this was supposed to be Beaver Navigator, and they forgot the. <laughs> left the v out so we're gonna call this one beaver navigator if i'm wrong i apologize turgic anna from the rgv Paige short danielle napier Anne rose santoro dalian crossno Alyssa rathbun blake angove christopher mims miguel avia amanda artbauer deshaun yapa bandera Mary Methner, Rim Job, Frank Rich, Shannon, Carly Lapham, Rebecca Safali, Josh O'Connor, Canadian Bow Hunter, Casey Stanley, Jet, Courtney Falk, Courtney Diem, Ryan, Taylor Martin, Don't Do a Beer Without Me, Hamish Niven, X Fresh Pebble, all in your ass. <laughs> Is that two Z's? Yep. He's from the streets. Not bad. Or she's from the streets. Nicolette and Hawaii. New patrons, thank you very much. The whole state of Hawaii joined <laughs> Patreon. Apparently. That's impressive. Yeah. It's wow. not bad. Good for us. We now own Hawaii. <laughs> See? Thank you so much, patrons. Thank you for your support. Uh, Ian. For iTunes, I have one for KB Rock 223. Their review says, please give a shout out to Brianna and Will for their engagement. So shout out to their engagement. Kevin would not have found Necronomapod without them. Oh, that's nice, guys. Aww. Happy engagement. You left all that in the <clears throat> review? Uh, yep. It's one way to get a shout out. <laughs> it was a five-star <laughs> review and just put your whole shout out in it. I didn't see the wedding invitation, though. Maybe they're just engaged. It's probably coming in the mail. We have gotten a wedding invitation once. A couple of them. Have we got a couple? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So that was it, Ian, on your end? Uh, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, Mexican Gatsby won. Shannon loves Dave. What's up, Shannon? Was she a part of the ladder match? I don't uh, think so. She's, she's a new entrant. She's new. Oh. How she's joining the fray. It's like a fucking Royal Rumble at this point. <laughs> it's four. It's a four, fatal four-way oh, right now. Fatal okay. four-way. <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to make it a TLC match. <laughs> What's a TLC match? Tables, ladders, and chairs, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> so it could be a TLC match where it's still like a pinfall. But in mm. this case, I believe it was like what? We're... we're it's your. It was the ladder match. Was was Dave on like the thing? Were they reaching for Dave in our ladder match thing that we fucking made yeah, up a long something time something like that. So it's a TLC, but you're still hanging above the ring. Okay. Whoever climbs the ladder and grabs your cock. Wins. Okay. <laughs> they can still use tables and chairs. Right. Those are all along the outside. Yeah. Of the ring. That's a good match. 
You'll have a great view above the whole <laughs> yeah. ring. Yeah. Watch all these people beat the shit out of each other. I wonder if the one that wants his, his big sexy feet is going to join as well. Easier to tickle. It's true. You're hanging right there. Right you can't there, right? do anything about it. Um, yeah. So Shannon loves Dave Acer eleven twenty five and Spuds McKenzie eighty two. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews, Dave. I have one international shout out. SDA number one from Canada. Thank you so much for the review. North of the border. North of the border. All right. Any military? No military. Not this week. Not this week. All right. Let us know if uh, if you're uh, a veteran or a current active duty member of the military. We'd love to hear from Anyone you. Anyone out there serving. Thank yeah. you for your service and uh, stay safe. Good stuff. And I have one shout out to Julia Clifton. She sent us some books and some and a box of score bars. Thank you. We didn't even get them. Dave ate them all before we even got here. They may have left the <laughs> score bar box at my house and uh, it may have been consumed in its entirety. <laughs> Those are so fucking good. They really are. Those and Heath bars are so good. They're even better than Heath bars. The score bars. I would like to do a, like a, a back-to-back taste test yeah. just to see. Oh, my God. They're fantastic. But you can't find score bars everywhere anymore. Well, Julia Clifton can. She got a whole box of them. God damn. And guess what? Ian and I still can't find them. <laughs> <laughs> just wrappers all around his house. They leave that shit here, so Chocolate. I eat it. And they, what, well, I don't know what you want me to do. Chocolate prints on the walls. <laughs> oh, all right. Anything yeah, else? Thank you so much, Julia. We good? I put on 20 pounds with your goddamn <laughs> score bars. We, we good? I think we are. I'm looking forward to next week because I feel like this is going to get completely fucking ramped up and uh, off the rails. I'll have another FMK with Dorothy and a couple other <laughs> fine <laughs> individuals next week, and we'll see who wins then. Look forward to that one. <laughs> um, all right. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and now, Ian, you got us going on TikTok. Yeah, we got the. Did guy. I say that right? TikTok. I have it written down. <laughs> Talk tick. Talk tick as well. Well, that's what it should be called. Yeah. But you guys <laughs> write it down to get it right. <laughs> Coming up next, chat snap. There you go. From us. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. Go check it out. If people like it, I'll keep doing it. All right, good stuff. Well, I'm, I'm gonna have to get on on this too. Yeah, we, we need to do a TikTok video. You gonna do uh, one of those talky ticky things? I'm, maybe I'll things? do one about the. Uh, maybe I'll bring back the uh, unlicensed kind of college service. Do, I don't know how like those videos work. Can you just do one of like you not don't even talk, just like looking into the camera, eating that mint chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Sure, you could. People would love it. A little ASMR, mukbang. Is that what those are? The mukbangs of you just eating and like people listening to the sounds of it. There you go. Disgusting. But you get to eat mint chocolate chip ice cream. Come on. So good. All right. So look out for those. Ian's putting out videos. Maybe Dave's going to get on there too then. Uh, But that's at, it's a Necronomapod, right? Yeah. So for all the socials, it's there. Um, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We'll have our bonus content Uh, for the $10 tier. At the end of this month, we were doing our first live video show. You will be able to watch us do a bonus show that will be released on Patreon. Uh, you can watch it live, and then we're going to record it and save it so that if you can't tune in live, 
again, if you're a $10 patron, you can watch the recording of it at a later date. The uh, actual audio will be released at the $5 level on Patreon. So people have been asking to watch, see us in studio. I don't get it, but they want to watch us. So let's give them What's that. the worst that could happen, right? Yeah. Well, a, a lot, but yeah. we'll see. There's a lot of editing that happens. <laughs> Not on this show. Well, no, no. They're going to see. They're going to see my piss breaks. Yeah. They're going to see, see us not being able to say words or read sentences properly. Right. Yeah. You're. You know. If they've. Well, hopefully, I forget. It's the poll topic, right? They have to vote on what the topic is yeah. going to be. Yeah. Hopefully, it'll be something easy. You don't have a lot of tough names. It's a good one, actually. We know the winner. Sure. What is it? It Do is not- uh, Mike the Durable. Okay. That's what they called me in college. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting. There's editing that goes into it. People will be able to see how slow I actually talk. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Especially when I'm high. It'll be fun-ish. We'll see. It'll be fun for them. It'll we'll be see how it goes for, for us. Sure. I don't like being watched. We'll see how that goes. But anyway, so that's patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Amazon.com, search Necronomapod for uh, our merch. Spring uh we have merch that ships internationally so make sure you check that out all the links are available on our link tree too on all of our social medias and i think i covered it all great job golf clap golf clap that's good that's a good one all right thanks all right you guys ready for a cool dumb beer cheers Hi friends, your pal Dave here to talk to you about an exciting new opportunity to add to your healthcare portfolio. Dave's unlicensed home gynecology practice. Are you tired of stuffy, crowded waiting rooms and quote-unquote real doctors who have an MD and actual medical equipment? If so, why not check out Dave's unlicensed gyno shop? They offer both in-house and virtual exams sure to fit your busy schedule. Their patented premium penetration process will leave you completely satisfied with your visit. And of course, they will never sell video of your exam to Pornhub. Although if you have a real cute cooter, they might upload it for free. Also, there's no need to speculate about whether or not it's an actual speculum they're using for your exam. Spoiler alert, it's not. So if you're ready to put some pizzazz in your next pap smear, head on over to Dave so they can get a look at that thing. And remember, unlike most gynecology offices, at Dave's they administer a heavy anesthetic prior to your exam. You won't remember one second of your invasive inspection, guaranteed. You're welcome. So what are you waiting for? Vaginal vacancies are available now. Give them a call today at 1-800-TUNE-UP-YOUR-TWAT. That's 1-800-TUNE-UP-YOUR-TWAT. 1-800-TUNE-UP-YOUR-TWAT. Get that twat the tune-up it deserves today. 